20, Exodus 19 happened. And that's where the people of Israel told Moses, you tell God that we can keep the law. You tell God that, that he needs to judge us based on what we do. We, in fact, the very, the very words say we are well able to do the things that he wants us to do. And God said, really? Okay. Here's the ten. You break one, you break them all. See, before that, before that happened in Exodus 19, uh, there was a period of grace where no one died. They could complain and no one died. That complaining is a sin. And all the husbands said. <laughs> this is a smart church, boy. Smart church. The guys are like, oh. <laughs> They're like, I ain't saying nothing, baby. All right. So check this out. We've not come to that. They begged in the word, saying, as much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. Now, this is saying that even before they can, their dogs could run up on the mountain. But now he's saying, look, if they even touch the mountain, they'll die. Because they wanted to be judged based on what they did. God was going to show them, you can't do it. You can't do it. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling, but you have come to Mount Zion. See, we're not on Mount, we're not on Mount Sinai anymore. We're on Mount Zion, Mountain of Grace. That's where we are today. If you ever wonder where you are, go to Hebrews 12. It'll tell you. We're not on that mountain that the law was given on. It's very detailed. It's very specific for a reason. And he says, man, but you have, that's the biggest but in the Bible right there. But you, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. The living God's on Mount Zion. Doesn't say he's on Mount Sinai. That's, that's been vacated. In fact, Satan lives on that mountain, I believe, because he condemns you with the law. The moment he, he, he gets you to come and break it, and the moment he tempts you with it, the moment you break it, it becomes the accuser. He's like, how can you call yourself a Christian? Anybody felt that way before? Anybody stubbed your toe and start singing Amazing Grace, or did you drop an F-bomb? Who, hey, hey, who has stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night? Yep, yep. How many of you guys are worshiping God then? And so the minute, the minute you mess up and you kick something and you start saying words that probably shouldn't be said, the moment you do that, guess what? Satan comes in and goes, how can you call yourself? Let me talk. Any resemblance is purely coincidental. That's not who I am. That's not how I speak. I don't even know if that's how he speaks. Right? I've met sweet little girls that have, anyway. Mount Zion is where we are. The living God is there. Heavenly Jerusalem is there. And then all the angels that you can count are on that mountain, right? Uh, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfect. That's, that's people that died. You ever wonder what happened to those guys that died before Jesus died? They're on that mountain. Jesus went and got them. When Jesus died for three days, he was, uh, three days he was in that little grave site, right? He wasn't in the grave site. He was doing some stuff. He went down to hell. He went down to hell, got the keys, opened the door, said, let's go, people. That's what he did. Um, oh, look who else is on that mountain. That's a bit, that should be on the marquee. Hey, the big old sign on that mountain. Bling, bling, bling. Hey, Jesus is here. Why would you want to go to a mountain where Jesus is not? 
We're on Mount Zion. That's where we are. Oh, the meter of a new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than of Abel. Abel's blood spoke. Blood has a voice, church. Abel's, Abel's blood was spilled. He was murdered. And it cried out from the ground, vengeance, have vengeance. Right? Well, when Jesus died, his blood spoke better things. In other words, instead of getting what you deserve, you get forgiveness. God, Jesus' blood cries out forgiveness. Forgiveness is for you, you, and you. It's for everybody. Oh, so let's finish up with what Paul said. So you understand this is talking about the law, right? Clearly, Mount Zion, Mount Sinai. Big difference. Big difference. Some churches are still on that Mount Sinai. Don't go to that church because you'll walk out feeling condemned. You want to have life. Gave me a chance to flex. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. See, Jerusalem is still in bondage because they haven't accepted Jesus as the Messiah. You see that? I think that's unbelievable. So let's go to that story. Let's go to that story real quick. Genesis 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, you see Sarai and Abram, the, the ha hasn't been given to him yet. Sarah, Abraham. You know that that ha in the Hebrew language is a breath of life. And so they haven't received the breath of life. There hasn't been a name change yet because the promised child hasn't come yet. But when they when that promised child comes, their name changes. Abraham. Now they have life. Amen. You can start calling me Troy. But take a minute before you do it, because that ha could not bring life sometimes. Right. It could bring death. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Hagar represents the law, right? Sarah represents grace. We just saw that in Galatians. So Sarah said to Abraham, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. That's a lie. The Lord doesn't want any woman barren. That's what the Bible says. And we've had a couple in this church. You guys know them. They, they, they were barren for so long, man. But by faith, they have, <laughs> they have a beautiful baby girl and another one on the way. God doesn't want, it's just faith, man. They tried everything. They tried everything. How many of you guys have heard a story where couples have tried everything and it didn't work? And then all of a sudden they stopped trying and it worked. Yeah, that's the way it worked. God wants you rested. So she, she, her faith being weak, aren't you glad Sarah's the mother of grace? Mentioned in the hall of faith, and she lacked faith. That should give us hope. Amen. Uh, see, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. We better keep going. Then Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar and made the Egyptian and gave her to her husband Abraham to be with his wife. After uh, Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. So think about that. Now, they're symbolic. Hagar, who represents the law, despised grace. Are you with me? Hagar tried to put herself above 
Sarah. Now, ladies, if we had a maidservant who would come and help do stuff around the house and, and we and we blessed her and everything, but, but what would happen if uh, your husband came home from work and the maid went in there and said, hey, I just want to tell you, I don't like the way your wife's raising the kids. Um, I think she should be saying this instead of this. I think she needs to grow a backbone. I think she needs to do this. What, if you're the wife, how would you feel about the maid saying that about you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here, I'm making it real. I want you to see. That sounds crazy, but it's real. We, we, have, we will never know unless we understand this story what Sarah was feeling. She's already feeling low because she couldn't give birth, even though God said it was coming. Right? She knows she messed up. And now, Hagar, the law, is trying to supersede grace. But watch what happens. So uh, then Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. (laughs) My wrong be upon you. Anybody testify to that? Anybody make a mistake and you try to put it on somebody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I was wrong, but my wrong's on you, man. Right? He's like, well, but baby, you told me. Doesn't matter. My wrong be upon you. My wrong be upon you. Uh, I gave. <laughs> she did. She's, she's confessing it's her wrong, but she's blaming him. Embrace. And when she saw that uh, she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge you. He's like, me? You told me, right? And the Lord judge between you and me. So Abraham said to Sarai, what any husband would say, right? <laughs> hey, Indeed, your maidservant is in your hand. You do what you want to do. <laughs> and when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So now the law is on the run. The law is on the run. There's two departures of Hagar in this story. One represents the time from the Israelites well, receiving the law all the way to Jesus on the cross. Okay? That's what this first one represents. I'm going to show you. Um... Now, the angel of the Lord, capital A, angel of the Lord is messenger. Capital A means Jesus. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Jesus said, hey, law. Go back, submit yourself under grace's hand. God's heart has always been grace first. Even even here. God's saying, go back, submit yourself. You see that, church? Because if we, now remember what Paul said. They're symbolic. This is a real story, but God allowed this real story to happen to make Paul's message even more powerful. And now we have the ability to be able to look back and go, wow, that is unbelievable. So law has to go back and submit under grace. Are you seeing it? Am I making this up? It is written. David had two counts of death on him. Why didn't David die? People say you got to keep the law. You got to keep the law. David didn't keep the law. Two counts of death. Had a man killed, murder, and adultery. He should have been stoned to death. Why was David not stoned? David understood what grace was all about. He said in Psalm 51, have mercy upon me, have chased upon me. Chased is grace. If you go to Jerusalem today and ask them for their Bible, it'll be all in Hebrew. In the Hebrew, that word chased is grace. 
Old Testament, New Testament, is grace. David understood that God was a God of grace, that God wanted to give grace, and he understood it. And he, re- he, he pleaded, have grace on me. He knew. He was an old, old covenant soul, but he longed to be a part of the covenant we have today. He knew it. And he pleaded, have grace, have mercy on me. That's why he didn't die, because God desires mercy and not sacrifice. Check this story out. Exodus 20. What was given in Exodus 20? The law. And I always preach of this beautiful story after the law in Exodus 21 about the Hebrew slave. Who God, it's a picture of Jesus. You guys remember that message? It's, a, it's beautiful, right? Well, I saw this this week for the first time. In the same chapter that the Ten Commandments are given, God says this, an altar of earth you shall make for me and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. The chapter he gives the law in, he's saying, look, I'm setting up a sacrifice system. Well, I will bless you, not because of you, but because of the perfect animals you bring me. And it's going to be made of earth. I don't want you to build nothing. I don't want it to be about you. I don't want you to use a tool. No self-effort. This is all me blessing you. In the same chapter, the law was given. Isn't that crazy? And he says, and, and he says, and if you make me an altar of stone, and you shall not build it of hewn stone, for if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. That means no self-effort. I don't want you doing anything. Nor shall you go up by steps. Don't even make steps on it. My altar. uh, That your nakedness may not be exposed on it. He's sin. Sin. Sin can't be exposed on it. It's where the offering is. This is a in the same chapter that the Ten Commandments are given. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about one day there's going to be a sacrifice that will take the sin of the world that will consume all the sin of the world. This is a love letter at the end of the Ten Commandments. And and what do we think about when we think about Exodus 20? Even me, a grace preacher, even me. And what I'm telling you is, man, we always think of Exodus 20 as the law. Why aren't we talking more about this part of Exodus 20? What God's talking about is grace. He knew people couldn't keep the law. And so in the same chapter, he, he explained to them what a sacrifice would do. Isn't that unbelievable? How many of you guys are like, whoa? Man, I had to pull over. I had to pull over. Literally. It was just so overwhelming. God's heart for people. Beautiful. So what happens when the two elements collide? And God always wants grace first. When the two elements collide, it happened, right? So the people were coming back from uh, captivity in Babylon. And, and this guy, Nehemiah, was rebuilding the temple. And so Nehemiah said, hey, man, these cats need to hear the law again. They need to hear the law. These cats, we're going we're gonna to set up an altar, and we're going we're gonna to read the law to them because we've been in captivity for so long. So Nehemiah 8 says this. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded Israel. 
So commandment is talking a specific portion of the first five books of the Bible, the part where God commanded Israel, right? So Ezra the priest brought the law before the, the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Why is that important? Why is it so specific? Anybody know what the first day of the seventh month is? The youth do. First day of the seventh month is the Jewish New Year, a day of celebration. They call it a day of grace. But what are they doing on the day of grace? They're reading the law, the ministry of condemnation and death, right? Uh, then, then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate. Water gate. No scandal here. Water gate. From morning until midday. That cat was reading the law from morning till midday. How do you think the people felt? Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. <laughs> Brother was caught in the moment. All right. uh, before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law because it was pointing to them. All right. Uh, so Ezra, the scribe, stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him, uh, all these cats were standing there. You can go back and look at the meanings of the names. It's pretty cool. Um, and Ezra opened the book of the, uh, in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. <laughs> and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen. They were saying Amen when he was reading the law. Back then, they were under law. Today, church, we're not under law. When someone's reading the law and you say amen, you're saying, may it be so to me. In other words, may you judge me, God, based on whether or not I keep or break that law. Instead of saying, I ain't saying amen to that. I'm going to say amen that Jesus kept the law for me, that Jesus died on the cross in order to redeem me from the curse of the law. I'll say amen to that. But if you say amen to the law, you're saying, hey, God, treat me the way you treated them back in the day. That's old covenant. Old covenant is you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. New covenant says even if you do bad, you get the best that heaven has to offer. And his name is Jesus. Amen? So all these cats were standing there. Again, you can go back and read. Uh, help the people to understand the law. They all helped them understand the law. And the people stood in their place. They weren't moving. The law will make you stand still. The law will make you stand there because you're too afraid to move, because you feel unqualified to move. But when you feel like the Lord has kept the law for you, the Lord fulfilled the law on your behalf, now you can move any direction you want. So they read distinctly, distinctly. That means they read from the book in the law of God. They read specifically from the Ten Commandments, right, distinctly. Uh, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn nor weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. He's saying, look, man, yes, this day is holy. Don't weep. Don't mourn because God is gracious. God is gracious. Yeah, the law's being read, but he came back and you'll see in a second. He says, man, God will bless you. Don't weep, don't mourn. Today, a lot of churches around this world are preaching the law and people are mourning. They're saying, this day is holy, now mourn. This day is holy, now repent. This day is holy, get on your face before the Lord. 
And he's saying, this day is holy. Don't weep. Don't mourn. Why can they not weep and mourn? Because there is a gracious God who loves them. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. He's saying, go, hey, have fun. It's a day of grace. Eat the fat. <laughs> Woo! God just gave me a reason to eat the fat, right? <laughs> Drink the sweet and send portions to those who nothing is prepared for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord, not the law. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You stand there based on keeping the law. You have no strength. But when you focus on the joy of the Lord, you have strength, church. Oh. And so the Levites quieted all the people. Now they had to be quieted because they had joy. But still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. Don't be grieved, church. The law is holy, but don't be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send, to eat the fat. Go to Sonny's after church today, people. Get you a sweet tea. <laughs> Just send for they all went and took care of the people that didn't have any, right? That's what that's what the goodness, the joy of God does, man. It makes you a giver. They understood the words that they understood. You see, before that, it was hard to understand when the law was being preached. But the moment grace started being preached, man, they all understood it. They received it. I can understand grace. I get grace because I can't be perfect. But I still get the best of heaven. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. All right. So the angel of the Lord, Jesus said, return to your mistress. Jesus said, go back and submit yourself. Law, submit yourself to grace. Do it. Do it. So let's go and read this. This is Jesus. This is Jesus' own words, right? Matthew. At, the, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, the nerve of that brother, right? On the Sabbath. And, and his disciples were hungry on the Sabbath. And, and, and they began to pluck heads of grain and, and to eat on the Sabbath. Them fools were sinning. They were sinning. And, and, and when the Pharisees saw it, teachers of the law, when they saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him? That's like saying, you who desire to be under law, do you not know the law? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread. He didn't just eat the grain. He ate the, the bread that was in the temple. Brother was like, oh, look, showbread. I'm hungry. In the temple. <laughs> That's like cooking the sacrifice on a grill in the temple. Like, man, that meat smells good. Oh, hibachi. <laughs> I'll never be able to go to the hibachi steakhouse again. He's like, man, this is like in the temple back when David was out there. Hibachi. <laughs> That's awesome. Nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law, in the law, that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, right? They're, it's easy when you're religious to look at other people's sin. They don't see their own sin. There's some holier-than-thou pastors I know that'll stand up here and, 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 and point to your sin, but miss the sin that they're dealing with, right? That's, that's why you don't point to any sin. You point to Jesus. That brings us all on a level playing field. Let me tell you something. We all have something in common, black, red, white. If your name is Mike, 
I just wanted to rhyme something. Look, it doesn't matter that we all had this in common. We don't deserve anything from the Lord. We, 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 you can say we have the same color blood and all that. No, here's what we have in common. We're all sinners and we all deserve hell. But man, what we get as Christians when the church comes together like this, we understand that what we get is something we don't deserve and we have life. That's what we all have in common. We've all been forgiven. And then we speak those words of life over people. May we not do the devil's work. Whenever you accuse, you're doing the devil's work because he's the accuser of the brethren. I'm telling you guys on your little social media uh, websites or wherever you're on, man, let me tell you something. Be an encourager. Give words of grace to people. Don't do the devil's work. Don't condemn people that you don't agree with. You're accusing people you don't agree with. Let that stuff go, man. Put a word of life in there instead. That's what's going to change this world. What the world? He said, why you got to be the first one to laugh all the time when I say Into way, into way, into way. All right. Uh, yet I say to you that in this place, in this place, there is one greater than the temple. He's saying, man, I'm here. I'm Jesus. I'm greater than the temple. Isn't that awesome? He's talking to Pharisees, man. And, and he said, but if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, said grace, and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. And you know what I love about that? He doesn't say you wouldn't have condemned the sinless, because we're not sinless. But in Christ, we are guiltless. We are not guilty for our sin. I love that. Don't skip over that. We are guiltless. Jesus said, hey, man, don't condemn the guiltless. He doesn't say sinless. We do have sin. We do sin. But we are not guilty in Jesus' name because of what he did for us. That's beautiful right there. How many of you guys have family members that need to hear that? Yeah, show them that verse, man. It's beautiful. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What he's saying is, hey, man, they were, they were law-minded. He said, no, grace is here. And grace is greater than even the law. He was under law. Jesus was under law right here. Now, they were right. They were right. Under law, they were right. But when Jesus is there, he supersedes all that stuff. He is number one. He is first place. And he's saying grace is here and grace is greater than the Sabbath. Don't step on me. Thanks, Kevin. That's just beautiful to me, man. And so, you know, they got it. They understood what he was saying, right? So now when he had departed from there, he went into the, their, he went to their synagogue. He went into their synagogue. You think Jesus walked around looking for trouble? No, he was trying to teach lessons. He was trying to show them the difference between the two elements, grace and law. And this was a good opportunity to do it. So he went into the synagogue, man. And, and, and he went in and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, withered hand, not there, right? Withered hand. And, and they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal, heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? In other words, hey, man, when you come to church for us on Sunday and you got some kind of ailment, it's not lawful for us to pray over you. Does that make any sense? That's stupid. <laughs> See, religion just makes you look stupid. It makes you sound stupid to the world. If there's a guy with a withered hand in there, he's coming for help. He's coming for help. That's why we got a church full of sinners. What are you going to do if a homosexual comes to me? I'm going to say, hey, bring your friends. Because I got a word for them that will set them free. 
We're not going to be one that locks our doors. All the sexuals are welcome up in here. There's so many of them we don't even know. Buy, try, die. <laughs> I got that from another preacher on TV, boy. I about peed in my pants when he said that. Anybody know Creflo Dollar? That brother still said, we'll take the buys, the tries, the dies. We'll take all them sexuals in here. I was like, no, he didn't. But his point is valid. How else are they going to know if we don't love them? They will know him by the way we love one another, not by the way we judge them. They'll never get right on their own. I'd rather them come here and hear the truth than be out there and have no hope. And Jesus was like that. This brother with a withered hand, by law, he, can't, he shouldn't be healed. They were trying to accuse him. And the Lord visited. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, man. There's so much more. I didn't put it in there. So listen. So so he, he goes and he says, okay, enough. I'm not talking to you guys anymore. I'm done talking. What is going on here? So he said, I'm done talking with the Pharisees. He said, hey, man, stretch out your hand. And as he stretched it out, it was healed. As he, as he stretched it out, his hand began to grow back. It was unbelievable. And so if you're a Pharisee and you're seeing that happen, you're like, whoa, that's Jesus, right? But that's not what happened. You know what they say? Hey, man, we got to kill him. See, the law will always try to kill grace. It always has tried to supersede grace. Satan uses the law. And that's why the Bible says very clearly in Colossians that when Jesus died on the cross for all sin, that he was disarmed. He disarmed the powers and the principalities. He disarmed Satan. You know why? The verse before that says, he nailed the law to the cross. Come on now, that's beautiful. And, and so Satan uses the law as a weapon against you. But it's not for you. Because you've been made righteous apart from the law in Christ. Doesn't that just all make sense now? You're like, what? All right, back to this. Uh, we're almost done here. And the Lord visited Sarah, and he said, and, and, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. And at the set time of which God had spoken to him. At the set time, God's time. God's timing, right? Uh, and Abraham called the name. Now we got an Abraham. See that? Abraham, Sarah. You know why? Grace has come. Grace has come. Isaac is a picture of Jesus. Isaac is laughter. The seed came from Isaac. You with me? All right. And Abraham called his name, his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Isaac means laughter. That's why a grace church is full of laughter. Amen? A grace church is full of laughter, full of joy. I've been to some churches, man. You're like, Catholic churches. You're like, man, when is this thing over? <laughs> How many guys? How many I could imagine. The only reason I went to a Catholic church because they were. I went to a church a funeral when I was in in high school, and they had a keg. I was like, "What you got to do to join this church?" It was the one right across from the football field, man. I said, a funeral, and they had a keg in the basement. I'm like, "Man, this church is awesome." That's what religion does, amen. Some of y'all are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. And yes, I did share that with the youth. <laughs> but they understood what I was saying. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old and God had, as God had commanded him. 
Now, Abram was 100 years old. Brother was fruitful at 100. All the men were like, amen. No pharmaceuticals back in the day. His son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, to the pure, all things are pure, amen. Uh, he's made me laugh. So she also said, uh, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew and was weaned. Say weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. See that? Uh, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing, making fun of Isaac on the day he was weaned. Making fun of him. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bond woman. Cast out, throw away this bond woman. She represents grace. Or she represents law. And grace is saying, cast out the law. Throw it out. Why? Isaac is here. You hear me, church? Today, Jesus is here. Cast out Hagar. Cast out the law. There's no need for it when Jesus is here. Look, bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son, not because of the law, because of his son. He loved his son, right? The mistake, so to speak. And what does God do? But God said, Aaron, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said, listen to her voice. All the women are saying Amen. You can't pick and choose. He listened to her voice earlier, too. That's a trick question. <laughs> Whatever Sarah said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. He blessed him. Today, today, the seed of Ishmael is the heir to two-thirds of the world's oil. In the natural, they are very blessed. In the natural, they are very blessed. But in the supernatural, Isaac is the one. Isaac is the one the seed would come from. See that? But they won't be heirs together. You see, they both had the same daddy. They both had the same daddy, but they had different mamas. One was a mama of law. One was a mama of grace. Right? So there's, there's churches and pastors that will preach the law. We all had the same father, but we have different mothers. Are you with me? Now you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, are you my brother? Or are you my brother from another mother? Right? The grace, the law will always make fun of grace. Always scoffing at the grace. Right? But we are heirs. We win. We're heirs. We will not be heirs with the other one, with the law. By the law, you can't be an heir. In the natural, you might be blessed. You might get your temporary glory. But in the supernatural, there's no, no air there. No air there. None. All right, back to Galatians. Now, we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. That's who we are, right? But he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him. Who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. We just read that. When did the persecution come? When he was weaned. When he was coming off milk and going on to solid food. Persecution came. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Notice whose words were that? That was Sarah's words. God's saying right here, listen, it's not just Sarah's words. It's what the scripture says. She was speaking scripture when she said, cast out the law. Cast out the bondwoman. 
Now, that's important. God wants us to know it wasn't Sarah that said it. He was speaking through Sarah. All scripture is Holy Spirit breathed. But there's only two places where it says, what does the scripture say? One, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteous. The other one, cast out the law. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. That's who we are. If the son has set you free, church, you are free indeed. That's what the next verse says. Free from what? Sin. No, free from the law. Keep it in context. Now, when did the persecution come? When he was weaned. He was scoffing at him when he was coming from, from, from milk to solid food. Why is that important? Because we are, we're talking about growing in grace. This is our theme this year. We're going to grow in grace. Let me show you. Some people will say that the law is the deep things of God. The law is the deeper things of God. Grace is so elementary. Grace is so easy. The law is the deep law. Let me show you something. Hebrews, this is our last verse. Hebrews 5.30. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. That You know what that's saying, guys? Unskilled in the word of righteousness. I know seminary professors who talk about righteousness as, as something to be earned. Righteousness is something you got to become. Righteousness is how you grow in the Lord. Yeah, you're saved. That's great. You're saved by grace, saved by faith. But now you need to grow in the knowledge and the things of the Lord. You need to, to, to grow in understanding the law and, and understanding the precepts behind the law and all that stuff. Man, Now, he's saying that the people that are babes, they don't understand righteousness. They don't understand that righteousness is a gift. It's not something to be earned. It's just something to receive. Righteousness is a gift. And when I go places and hear speakers, I, I'm asking myself, okay, what do they know about righteousness? Because if they're telling me I need to earn it, I'm not staying. I'm not sticking around. I don't have to. It's not for me. I don't have to stay. I'll walk out. You need to walk out of church? Yeah, I'm not going to listen to It's not church if it ain't the truth. It, listen, it's true. You you can sit there. You can sit there all day long and be condemned and be condemned. Man, you're being put back in that old covenant, which is never for you. Did you sign that old covenant? Were you on Mount Sinai and made that deal with God? No, you didn't. Are you an Israelite? You're like, I don't know. I thought we all came from Adam. Man, we are Gentiles. That, that word was not for us. Now God writes his word on our heart. He writes his laws on our heart. He does. In fact, we won't. And here's the crazy thing. You ever go to a school where they're teaching people the Ten Commandments? There's even songs that help you remember it. I'm like, what? What? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize the Ten Commandments? Why would I do that? They're not for me. Man, listen. The law, the, the word says in Hebrews, not only will he write them on your heart, but he says he will teach your children. You won't have to teach your children. Why? Because when they understand that righteousness is a gift, all that stuff comes to them. The Lord's teaching them from the inside. Now they're being weaned off that milk and they're on solid food. If we're going to grow in grace this year, church, we got to grow in the word of grace. We got to know what grace is. We got to know that grace is a person. It's not a theology. It's Jesus. And the more we understand that Jesus is the grace message, that, that the gospel is the, is the message of hope, it's the good news, then we start to grow. 
Now we're getting off that milk. I've been on milk my whole spiritual life now. I'm looking at that verse going, dang, I've been sucking down milk for a long time. But now, man, now I'm starting to eat. How many of you guys know milk doesn't fill you up? Doesn't, man. Solid food does. How many of you guys go to Sundays and get a glass of milk? Oh, man, solid food fills you up. You want to be full? You want to be full of Jesus? Man, the word of righteousness. That's the difference. Some people get it. Some people don't. That's the difference in all the churches that are around this world. That some people understand that righteousness is a gift to, to be received and not achieved. And some people believe that righteousness is something you got to work on. Man, Jesus is your righteousness. Why do you need to work on something that he made perfect? If something's perfect, does it need to be perfected? Oh, man, stop trying to shine it. Amen? The Lord has made you righteous. Say that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the truth, church. That's who you are. Receive that. Amen? Receive that and have life when you walk out of here. Amen? Will you guys stand up with me and give the Lord a hand? Come on, church. Give the Lord a hand like he really deserves it. You got to know that he is the one that made all that happen. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do differently. All you can do is receive what has already been done for you. Amen. Listen, we're going to cut out here. I got to tell you a couple things real quick that uh, I will stay here. I'll remain right here because my wife's not here. She's in Georgia. So I'll be here. I'm available. If you want to pray, let's go in that back room and pray. We can all pray together. Right? We're a church family. If you don't know who Jesus is, man, we, we would love to pray a prayer with you. It's not one where you're going to have to sit down there and go through all your sins. Man, it's a quick prayer. God made it easy. Amen? And, and the Bible says you shall be saved. There's no doubt you will be saved. Shall is a definite article in the Greek. That means you will be saved. You are saved right where you are. He made it easy. If that's you, I'd love to pray that prayer with you. If, if you are looking for a church, this is who we are. This is what we believe. Doesn't matter if it's me or Pastor D up here, man. You're going to get the same message. A message of hope. You'll walk out of here different. You'll walk out of here with life and not looking at yourself and banging on yourself because you don't measure up. Jesus has qualified you. Amen. You'll hear that message from anyone that stands on this stage. This is who we are. It's what we believe. God's doing an amazing thing in this church. I, I, I'm not one to brag on the church. I just brag on the body. I, I brag on the, the church, the real church, the body of Christ, the believers that are being set free, man. We got some big things happening coming up because the Lord is completely giving us a vision. We're on the same page and, and, and everything's opening up. We're like, wow, the money is flowing in. Man, it's unbelievable. Money's not an option, man. The streets are made of gold in heaven. There, there's no financial downturn in heaven. Amen. And so, man, God is just lining everything up and we're, there's no stress, no fear, no worry. We're walking by faith. And God's doing an amazing thing. This is who we are. Now, all you got to do is come down here and let us know you want to be a part of it. That's it. There's no disqualification, no rejected uh, letter. <laughs> Sorry, we can't accept you at this time. That's not, that's not what we do, man. We accept all the sexuals. Don't walk out of here letting that be the only thing you remember either, all right? But I'm going to bring Pastor D up. He's going to pray over you. Hey, receive it. We talked about saying amen. We sing songs about saying amen. Amen is powerful, church. <laughs>
Don't Amen. just let somebody pray a blessing over you and you not receive it. The way we receive it in the spiritual realm is by saying, Amen. Amen. Say it. You don't have to say it at the end. Say it when the Lord prompts you to say it. Come on. And he's just receiving everything he says. But he's about to bless you guys. The Lord's going to bless you guys through him. And all we got to do is say, Amen. Are you Amen. with me, church? Amen. Go ahead, Pastor. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for what you've done in us today, God. We thank you for opening up our hearts and our minds, Lord, and our eyes, God, to see you the way that you truly are. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for just pouring out your word upon us today in a fresh and a new God, giving us the capacity, Father, to receive, Father, that which you have already prepared for us, God, that which you've already gone before us, God, and, and made possible. Just as Jesus said upon the cross, Father, he said, it is finished. And God, I speak that over this house. I speak that over this congregation, this body of believers, believers who have assembled in this place today. In every household that is represented in this place, Father, I speak life. I speak blessing. I speak health. I speak prosperity, Father, in all of its forms, in all of its fashions, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for supplying all our need according to your own riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for blessing them, blessing us, God, and making us a blessing in this earth, Father. We thank you, Lord, for every opportunity, God, that you're going to give us, God, to, to extend the grace that's been poured out into our lives. God, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for us, sufficient for every situation and circumstance, God. We thank you, Lord, that as we leave this place, Father, we leave better, stronger than which we came in, Father. Thank you for encouraging your people, Father. Thank you for equipping your people, Father, to go out and do what you called us and enabled us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. 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 We are dismissed.